Now, welcome to James Whale's manifesto. I've taken a long, hard look at the way this country is run, and I've decided that uh, we should be able to teach the people in power a thing or two. And to that end, I've handpicked my own cabinet for the purposes of fashioning our very own manifesto, a sort of 12-step programme, if you will, to get the UK fighting fit during this Olympic year. The Tories may have declared Labour isn't working back in 1979, but what of the Tory Liberal Coalition? If the Shadow Chancellor is to be believed, the government doesn't give a friar tuck about jobs and growth. But do the figures speak for themselves? UK unemployment rose to 2.67 million in the three months to January. That's 8.4% of the population now out of work. It's a 17-year high. And the ticking time bomb of youth unemployment stands at 1.04 million, raising fears that this country is failing a lost generation. A 25-year high of 1.13 million women are now unemployed after they were hardest hit by the public sector squeeze. Well, we've heard plenty of powerful rhetoric on the job market from the folk in charge, not least, of course, on Budget Day when George Osborne announced that his so-called Robin Hood budget rewards work and will help the UK earn their way out of trouble. Well, fighting talk indeed. However, with predictions for growth still only at 0.8% from the Office for Budget Responsibility and dole queue demos staged by such as UK Uncut on the day the Chancellor delivered his red box. Is it all just that? Talk? I'm really not convinced the government have got all the answers, so I'm turning to three resourceful, capable individuals here in the studio, and together we are going to do our level best to get our heads around the worklessness that has got everyone worrying from Downing Street to Davos. Rosemary Parr is the founder of the Global PA Network. She's a self-made businesswoman, consultant and unemployment mentor. Martin Bright is the political editor of the Jewish Chronicle, chief executive of New Deal of the Mind, a charity that campaigns against unpaid internships. And Yvonne Roberts is chief leader writer for The Observer and a fellow of the Young Foundation. Uh, the think tank that supports social enterprise. Uh, Let's start with um, Rosemary. What do we do to get Britain working again? Is it as... I mean, are we just going to have to face facts that there's never going to be employment for everyone? Um, Well, um, my big thing as a coach and, and an international trainer is that I feel that we have got to change the mindset of the com- of the country and i think this is where we're being challenged because we have got to transform our thinking into a positive uh, mental attitude and this is something that is severely lacking in the uk you go to places like america where they've got sort of fantastic motivational coaches and trainers that speak to hundreds of thousands of people like anthony robbins stephen covey wayne dyer all those sorts of people we we don't have enough of that in this country And I think, you know, until we get into a positive mindset, I think we're going to be challenged as society um, until we start changing our attitude to how we can create, because I think we're on the same old record all the time. And I think the young people coming through are having a real challenge because they're coming out of school, they're being told by the media there's no jobs for them. They get into that negative mindset straight away, which damages them for for the rest of their lives. All right. Um... What about retirement age? We're all being told we're going to have to work a lot longer. What about actually bringing the retirement age down to, say, 60 
uh, making it mandatory so nobody's allowed to work past the age of 60, free up a lot of jobs for young people, Yvonne? Well, um, I think human nature, it, 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 the way it is, that people would find ways of um, I don't know, passing for 45 for the next 30 years so they wouldn't have to do that. I think, I think what we do have, the, the real core of our problem is that we have a 19th century education system really influenced by um, the idea of a, of a, of a middle-class public school where um, uh, you know privilege and uh, privilege provided a great cushion and the idea was that your it was your IQ that mattered it's passing exams that mattered being brainy that mattered and somehow being good with your hands was something terribly inferior and right from the 1840s we've had a divided education system a secondary modern by definition which was which was what happened where you went when you failed your 11 plus implied second best um, our obsession with with testing in this country, which is which is unparalleled by anyone else, actually is undermining the very things that we need. So you go to Singapore, a very small country, and it has revolutionised its education system. So what they do with young people is they teach them to use their own heads. They teach them how to think for themselves, which sounds extraordinary, but actually can have great great ramifications. That gives them resilience. That gives them they 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 learn how to work in teams. They they use what the world that young people live in which is a world full of people young people are extraordinarily capable of using the internet and yet most schools well not most schools but many schools pretend that there isn't that kind of capacity so we have to do away with testing we have to actually elevate vocational um, training so that it becomes much more important. It is perfectly possible in France to be very clever but to want to be a patisserie, to want to make cakes, and nobody sees that as a disaster. And indeed you would be respected for it. Uh, I quite agree. Now, I failed the 11 plus. I, many years, would never have admitted that. Uh, I went to a secondary modern school. I failed woodwork CSE, which nobody failed. Um, and, and, and I left school thinking I hated education, hated school and everything else. Um, but it is down to the mindset of the individuals. I know, I know people who went to school when I went to school who passed all their exams and uh, still have not done much with their lives at all. Martin? Yeah, look, there, there are parts of the country where there are very few jobs. I think we have to recognise that, that. There are parts of the country where... And we won't be getting jobs... those sort of jobs back. No, They're not going to come back. We're not going to be having huge labour-intensive uh, industries again, are we? Exactly. If, you talk, if you're talking about parts of the country like Burnley and Stoke and whole parts of the northeast, you're talking about a very, very difficult uh, job situation where there are not hundreds of jobs and there are not lots of lazy young people lying around who won't take those jobs up. But, I mean, I talked the other day to a very, very interesting man, an MP, a Lib Dem MP called Gordon Birtwistle. Right? Now, Gordon Birtwistle is the oldest new MP in Parliament who surprisingly ended up a, as an MP, never expected to become an MP. How old is he? Uh, he's in his 70s. My yeah? golly. And he, to he told me about his company called, rather unromantically, Lomax Offshore Couplers. It's an engineering company uh, set up by Gordon, now run by his son. And they are having to turn away business because of the lack of skilled apprentices coming through. Because young people in his area all want to do media studies. None of them want to become engineering apprentices and learn how to cut metal and, and mould metal, right? And I think that those of us who uh, take a two... Uh, I, I hate to say it, but those of us who take a too liberal attitude have to recognise that 
although there are parts of the country where there is very little work, at the same time, there is a problem where we are de-skilling our younger generation. There are not enough glamorous jobs in the media to go around, I'm afraid. When I was young, it was embarrassing to be out of work. To actually have to go down to the unemployment centre was the most embarrassing thing I can think of. And so I... And there weren't... You know, for people who hadn't got you... I, I still of the generation left school in the late 60s uh, and, 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 you know, there weren't an enormous amount of jobs around... Uh, you were still sort of told, though, that that uh, if you know if you couldn't find a job, you could join the army or the uh, or the police force uh, or go into um, uh, working. Where I was brought up in Epsom in Surrey, there were some big uh, psychiatric hospitals there at the time. You go and work there if you wanted to. Um, but I always found ways of of inventing work and finding things that you could do for people. Now we don't actually encourage. Some kids are going to say, "I'm not, I'm not going out for that. I'm not going to. No, I'm not." Do- I, I, Do you think there's a, is there perhaps now a need to say to everybody, unless you are doing some something where you, you know, you've got into a college or doing that, that you will be given something to do. You won't be able to go and claim any money off the state uh, unless you are doing something. Yvonne. Well, I, th- I think um, Martin's absolutely right. In Dumbartonshire, there's there's 31, I think, 31 people applying for every vacancy, which is soul-destroying in itself. At the same time, we've sort of got a, a strange hodgepodge. We've got the celebrity culture in which everybody's waiting to be, um, you know, cast in a reality show and then it will be OK because they'll make a million quid, a, a, you know, a week selling their life story. Um, and we also have this mess of apprenticeships. Um, we have something like a 25 to 50% fallout rate from apprenticeships. And I think that's partly because young people, and I've talked to, 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 I'm sure as Martin has, I've talked to a number of them, they go to college, they try tourism and leisure for three months, don't like that. They move on to something else for another three months. They move on to something else for another three months. This idea that you actually have to apply yourself, which is why actually I think things like um, skating, the, the dancing on ice mm. and, and uh, is actually good because it shows people how you can progress if you have stickability. And it's not easy. It's not easy, but the, the problem with apprenticeships is you have young people being offered three months at mm. enormous cost they're, they're spending they're buying apprenticeships so-called apprenticeships three and four thousand pounds and in three months they're supposed to be mm. you know qualified well that doesn't work although somebody once said to me that the apprenticeship was the the, the most uh, ineffective way of teaching somebody to do something you had a five-year apprenticeship where it took you five years to learn something that you could actually learn to do within probably one year six months or a year but it's not just the learning of the of the nuts and bolts if you like I mean there's a there's a charity called working right that actually puts what a one-man band a tradesman mm. with a young person and for six months they have they 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 he teaches the, the, the nuts and bolts but he also teaches them about it's important to get up every morning and you can't have a day off on a Wednesday you know and and you know there is a pride in getting your wages at the end of the week and it's a it's a kind of it's what used to be in the air in the 1950s mm. and 60s but somehow has been dissipated so you have to bring that back. It's almost impossible. Rosemary, I'm, I'm directing this at you. Um, some people will say it's almost impossible to get someone to do jobs. There are some jobs available. There are quite a few jobs available. Quite often they're not the jobs particularly that a young person aspires to or wants to do. And I was talking to an employer the other day who said, listen, I've got a number of vacancies. I've been onto the job centre. They've sent me loads of people down. I've actually given a start to a couple of people. They never bother to turn up. They come along to do the interview because they have to, but they never come and turn up. Why are there so many young people who don't want to work? 
Well, I mean, I think it goes back to what Yvonne was saying about um, our education system. And uh, they're not coming out of sixth form with, or, you know, even fifth form with the, the, the sort of um, the desire to work, that they want everything easy. Um, and I think, you know, it goes back to what I was saying about, you know, if we could have like a, a network of motivational coaches and mentors that the young people who are unemployed could tap into to get them into the mindset of wanting to value themselves enough that they aspire to work. Um, and I think, it, you know, it's all very much down to if, if you know somebody who can help you and open a door. And this is where a lot of young people are getting jobs and the rest of them are just saying, well, what's the point? You know, I'm not going to get anything. And there's a laziness um, that's embedded in, in our sort of education system, especially if they're not maybe they don't play sport either. So they come out of school, you know, they, they're lost before they even start. And the education system has really got to do something in the sixth form, I think, to help focus them. Um, because my son actually took up an apprenticeship and it was very successful for him, uh, my younger son, because he didn't want to go to university and he ended up, he's now a fully qualified commercial electrician after three years of working as an apprentice, doing day release at uh, Crawley College, getting all his qualifications in city and guilds yeah. and MVQs. Um, and, that, you know, that worked really, really well for him, but um, it was very tough. He had to pass with quite a lot of exams. There was quite a lot of maths involved. So... Apprenticeships, you know, are fantastic, but you've also got to, you know, have the sticking power, as Yvonne was saying, to, to do them. All right. Um, we're talking, uh, I wasn't going to just um, uh, home in on uh, on young people's unemployment, but maybe that's the best place to be. Maybe that's where we need to stick uh, to try and sort the problems out. Martin? Oh, absolutely. I, if we're getting to a position where we we now have one in five young people out of work, and it's looking like that's heading towards a quarter of our young people out of work. The consequences for our society as a whole are absolutely unimaginable if that number of young people are out of work for any, any length of time. And I think there is Who's a... Who's going to pay our pensions there is a, Exactly. But, I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not a laughing matter. I mean, no, that's, I agree, that's no. absolutely right. I mean, you know, we, we do need people to contribute. And, I mean, I think that we've got a big problem here. Uh, we used to have something uh, under the previous government called the Future Jobs Fund, which was a relatively expensive way of getting people back to work, but gave them six months experience of working. Uh, and that's gone now. Do it's, we have a very, to, very, it's a very difficult situation. We find do we have there. to face the facts or, uh, that there are some people who are never going to work again and that you could spend an enormous amount of time t- trying to retrain uh, some some people? It would be a waste of money if they're never going to work no, again. No, I, I, dis- I disagree. I think, I think you start... There's a very interesting American academic called Carol Dweck who's done loads of work on motivation and so on and, and also Kenneth Robinson. And he, he... Kenneth Robinson talks about passion, being in your element. You know, if you can find... Everybody has one passion, one strong passion, or one, one element, literally, that, that, that once, once that's found can actually be a trigger for all, all, all sorts of things. Carol Dweck found out that in her over 30 years, um, in, any one, in any one class, uh, she would find that there were 40% of children with a mindset. They either thought they were very clever, in which case they wouldn't try exceptionally hard because they didn't want to lose that, that, that label of being clever, or they thought they were dumb, which is what you were talking about, James, and they didn't try at all because what's the point? We're stupid. And what she does is 
she does she does um, brainology. She teaches them how you and this is true. You do not have to have an IQ, but if you mm. have grit and persistence and determination, you can do better. Most most geniuses actually are quite ordinary people. They just didn't want to give up. So we need to. I, I agree. It's the sort of story of the story we tell ourselves. It's so influential. I used to be very dismissive of the the kind of motivational coaching stuff. I think in Britain we're we're, we're a little bit sniffy about this Americanization of of our culture, and I think we do need I to am find Martin. A, <laughs> we need we need to find a, a probably a kind of British way of describing mm. this, but certainly you need mentors. You think you need you need to do that. Do you know, know, I tell you, listen, that's an interesting point because I I do hate all that. Well, you know, sort your colours out, make sure you're wearing the same, and all that sort of stuff. But it was long, long time ago. I, I remember I was the DJ in a pub uh, up in Muswell Hill in London. I was about seventeen at the time, and all I wanted to was to be a DJ on the radio. And I met this guy who's an old disc jockey from America. And he said one thing, and I've always rem- it wasn't really that astounding, but he said, um, he said, if you want to do it, he said, you'll do it. If you want to do it, you'll do it. If you never succeed, you didn't really want it anyway. Mm. And it was just, you know, I just always lived that way. And I always thought if, if you can't get what you want, then you have to find something that's perhaps not what you do want. But there is another element to this, which is not about young people. It's the fact that we have companies in this country with loads and loads and loads of money stashed away they don't have the confidence to actually invest it so we're talking about banks we're talking about we're talking about banks and we're talking about this this kind of entrepreneur you know it isn't just individuals who have to be entrepreneurial you actually have to get a kind of entrepreneurial spirit ha- happening at a much higher level and also to go back to i think martin's point about engineering this used to be a really sexy um you know profession in the 19th century, they did amazing things. You know, they 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 turned London into what it is. Um, One of the most interesting television programs at the moment is Dragons Den because you see people exactly this sort of person coming up with brilliant ideas. Some of them go nowhere. Some of them may do great things. Who knows? But we actually probably need a few more because this is how everybody lives their life at the moment. We probably need a few more reality programs doing something like that. Well, I think yeah. I think raising the entrepreneurialism spirit of the UK is vital. I mean, I've been running my own business for six years. And, uh, you know, I've used all the resources of Business Link, Federation of Small Business, all those things to try and support me. But still, there is lack of support. Because the government don't see. The government Hmm? don't see. The government and the bankers don't see. They've They've had their fingers burned. On the one hand, we've told the banks, don't lend money to people unless you're absolutely sure. And then now we... No, that was mortgages and and so on. But but, but even even with businesses. I mean, I've just had had a saga for about the last few weeks with Lloyds Bank trying to to get a small business loan to increase my marketing. And I didn't get it. And I went through hoops. I went through stress for two weeks on the phone. How much money did you want? £6,000. Is that all? Yes. And, they, and they, they looked at my company accounts. They said they didn't like some of the figures. They didn't like this. They didn't like that, although I had a really, really good year because I train all around the world. And uh, they decided that. And it's all done over the phone to a call centre. Mm. Yeah. So, and so now I'm moving banks. I mean, um, pe- people need to think about this in terms of investment rather than loans. They need to think about the same with companies that are holding back their balances. They need to think about employment as investment, investment in our next generation this this is the problem because i mean we i mean i always look back in fact to to the 1930s work creation program where everybody who was unemployed was given a little booklet and there was a page in it this is a government document that said work stops you going nuts and this was the official language of the american government and i think everybody needs to realize that yeah that 
people go nuts if they're not working. They need that structure. Well, yeah. some people do. Some people actually, I think, enjoy not doing anything. No, I think you get into a low self-esteem, though. But don't let's fool ourselves. An awful lot of people who may be officially unemployed are actually working very, very hard on the black economy. Yeah. And, and who, you know, who, who, do, who yeah. why, why would you blame them? I mean, it's, exactly. Why would yeah. you why would you actually there are some people who have a reasonable who, who know that their life uh, style would actually be affected if they got a job. And so for that reason, and I thought that's what Ian Duncan Smith was so, supposed to be addressing in some ways. For that reason, we do need to make and this is that the politicians are very keen on saying it, we're going to make work pay. Well, it certainly isn't paying at the moment. Well, actually, they're making a huge mistake because as of next month, working tax credit will change. So a, a couple have to work 24 hours. One of that one, one partner has to work 16 hours. That means women who, for example, are doing a 10 hour job, 10, if they're, they're, they're doing 10 hours of part time work a week, their, their partner is, uh, is rendered unemployed, which is happening. You know, 600 public sector people are being made unemployed every day. They will no longer be eligible for working tax credit. There's a, you know, there is a disadvantage in, well, in this. And also, we have hundreds, literally hundreds of people involuntarily working part-time. But don't get me going on this, because one of the things that I find most annoying, my wife uh, and I have been married over 40 years. If uh, uh, My wife was able, because I, I was earning enough money at the time, to, to bring our children up, and that, I think, is probably one of the most important jobs anybody can do. I couldn't do it. Uh, she did it. She gave up what she was doing to do it. Um, and then she, which enabled me to do what I was doing, yet that's not uh, uh, you know, as far as her pension is concerned, or when she gets, uh, she's she's not deemed to have worked enough. No, well, even we though should, she's been yeah. working for me and doing that. We it, should it, have a citizen's pension. It shouldn't be related. I mean, that you know, of, this this goes on to another issue, which is which is how much do we value care? But to say, to, you know, to say to, to to somebody who's brought their children up and to, to everyone that 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 you are not working or that you're unemployed, I think is there are a lot of people doing a lot of things in this uh, in this country and all over the world. I presume, who are considered not to... And sometimes it's women who are the worst at this because everybody says, well, what do you do? And if, if you were to say, well, I, I bring up my children, oh, you haven't got a job. Yeah, well, that's... I mean, I brought up my children for 12 years and I didn't have to work. And then I had to go back to work when I lost everything. Um, and the children and I were homeless. So, you know, it, it is... There's a whole sort of stereotype with that, which is why, you know, my whole business is about championing um, personal assistant secretaries in the workplace who are in a ghetto occupation in 2012, and which is an appalling state of affairs, plus the fact that, you know, a lot of women are now um, part-time workers are losing their jobs um, because of what's going on out there. And we are still in a patriarchal society. And research, we've done all the research with Kingston University on this, so we know it's absolute fact. Um, we haven't moved on from the Victorian times in many ways, in the way we're viewing mm. things. All right, Women let's... suffer. Sorry to, to, to butt in, but we're going to run out of time again. Let's let's go round the table and work out... We're trying to work out the unemployment crisis that the politicians blatantly don't seem to be on top of. Uh, Martin, what are we going to do? All right, here we are, the Cabinet. I'm the Prime Minister. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, I want some suggestions. I've got a press conference coming up soon. Uh, how are we going to sort the unemployment crisis out? OK, here's, here's one policy that should happen immediately. In fact, it's not even a policy. It's just something that each of the political leaders should do. 
Each political leader should take an apprentice in their own office, a business administration apprentice, and they should urge every MP in Parliament to do the same. And then they should say, no MP should make a statement about apprentices unless they take on an apprentice themselves. That would make people understand what it's like for young people working out there today. It would stop MPs taking on people for nothing from their friends and uh, and colleagues. Uh, And it would make sure that they knew what it was really like to employ someone who was an apprentice. Okay, and what about all those people, though, who come through university, uh, who study politics, who end up at the age of maybe 24, 23, 24, being top political advisers, telling these these politicians things, when they probably have no idea because they haven't actually been out in the world themselves? I don't know how you can stop that. It is a huge fundamental problem in our political system at the yeah. moment. That, I'm sorry, it's got people... nothing to do with what we're talking about. It just occurred no, to no, me. No, no, it does, does have everything. I think, no, no, very, I think it has no, everything. It is very damaging. It yeah. is very damaging. And I think that people need to understand. I mean, like, going back to the point about, about personal assistance, I mean, people need to understand that perhaps people don't need to go to university in order to become PAs and that those skills... I mean, I have a very good example of that within my own charity of someone who now regrets going to university because she hated every second of it and it didn't produce the employment she expected to, but she's a brilliant office administrator. And it wasted that part of her young life when she could have... You're absolutely right. Okay. Um, All right, there we are. uh, That that is as far as you're concerned. Okay, Martin, Rosemary Parr, here I am. I've got to go out and tell the nation how we're going to solve the unemployment crisis. What are you going to tell me to do? Um... Well, I'm, I'm going to take the view, because I am a coach, I think we should have a network created of sort of voluntary coaches and mentors who are prepared to give maybe, you know, two or three hours of time of their week. It can just be over the phone where the young unemployed have got like a portal that they can go to. They can dial in. Um, there's self-help books up there. There's, some, you know, how to get a job. There's, you know, how, how to get what you want from your life. And I think that that for me would be the way to go, that they've got someone on the end of the phone, like I'm mentoring um, Danielle at the moment, that makes all the difference to their self-worth and their self-esteem, because that's the sort of thing we've got to turn around. All right. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Now, Yvonne, what are we going to do? I've asked the question of of my other guests, so I have to go out and sort of come up with some ideas. And uh, obviously, if it's a really good idea, I might get voted back in at the next election. So it's, it's very important. But I am plagued with... Uh, ministers telling me there are a number of people who just do not seem to want to actually do anything unless it's something that they feel themselves is something that they would like to do. And as you said quite rightly before, in this country, uh, because my family involved in catering, uh, in this country we do not look at the service industry as a proper job. And that a lot of people, if you know, don't want a job there, don't want to work, wait, to, on table, don't want to work in a kitchen, don't want to... And I find that very difficult because we've got the celebrity culture on one side and you've got these celebrity chefs and celebrity this, celebrity that and everything else, yet lots of young people don't see that that's a job they want to do. How can we... How can I go out there and get people to want to work? Uh, I think you've got to do it on, on about five different areas, really. And number one, I would remove Mr Gove as, as, as education minister and put him in health or somewhere else where he can, he can do no, whatever no, he No, no, he might do more damage He might do more damage. But I think we have to actually have an education system. We can draw on lessons from around the world, celebrate vocational education as well as, as, as academic. I think we need to have... Uh, m- many more incentives for small businesses, so that they are encouraged. They are mm. uh, so. Rosemary, for example, gets her six thousand pounds. Oh, that's a ridiculous situation, that's isn't absolutely it? Absolutely ridiculous. For six thousand, I was looking for a marketing assistant. I could take on 
a younger graduate, you know, if yeah. I could generate more marketing, and that's where you get blocked. Well, I think that the, what, what needs to be done is to monitor the banks and monitor who's getting what, why aren't, why aren't small companies getting the kind of things they want. We also need to encourage companies to think in the long term. We actually are, are, are absolutely plagued with this short term, the shareholder matters, where's the quick buck? You know, every four, every three, four months, we tell, we tell people this is what the profit is. Actually, it's undermining the entrepreneurial spirit. And I think we need to have more thing, more uh, an overhaul of apprenticeships. And there are terrific ideas like Uprising, which brings in young people, gives them networks, changes their attitude to work and, and gives them a sort of finishing school for the, for the marginalised. All those things, no, no one solution is going to work, but we need a combination of things. Do you know a thing that occurs to me, and I, I, I shouldn't say this because nobody will ever be interviewed by me again, but it <laughs> occurs to me, and over the years that I have interviewed politicians and met politicians, and quite often the people who become politicians are the people who should least go into public service. I think I don't right. think you should go into public. I don't think you should become a politician until you're at least fifty, because yeah. then you would no. be forced to actually go out and work and earn a living yeah, like everybody else does. And I don't think politics should be considered to be a career either. I think that is wrong. And also, I don't think you should be eligible if you earn money in your sleep. In other words, if you've inherited wealth, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. I totally agree with that because they they haven't got a finger on the pulse at all. No, okay. but I think I, I don't think we should blame people just because they happen to have come into money either. I don't, as long I'm, as they I'm quite use happy it. to blame. <laughs> Are you? Well, they can give it all away. <laughs> I know a lot of people who do give a lot of money away <laughs> and, and don't want people to know no, that they do it. No, that's absolutely true. I think true. that's right. That's true. Um, thank you very much indeed. Whether or not we have uh, have pricked the pomposity of Parliament, I don't know. But maybe uh, maybe perhaps uh, they'll be downloading the podcast as I speak and taking it home and coming up with the ideas and thinking it's their idea. Uh, my thanks to my guests, Yvonne Roberts, Martin Bright and Rosemary Parr. If you have comments on this podcast or manifesto issue that you want to put forward, uh, please get in touch. You can email me at uh, james at jameswhale.co.uk. Uh, go onto the website, have a look at that, jameswhale.co.uk. You've been listening to James Whale's Manifesto, produced by Wise Buddha. Subscribe to this podcast and we'll bring more straight-talking and eye-opening discussions straight to your MP3 player, smartphone, laptop, tablet, or whatever other device you employ uh, for listening pleasure. Thank you.